0: everyone. This is Crystal from the Spooky Barber Babes. Today's episode is basically going to just be a jump right on in. I have done a lot recently with uh, information on multiple cases. There will be episodes coming back out on a weekly basis again. I do apologize for the last, actually for the last year of just lack of content coming out on the regular just because between Kids getting sick and me getting sick and work and life. Nobody wants to hear it, so I'm just going to move on. But again, I apologize for my time, but I am now back in the saddle. Um, Hopefully I'll have something lined up with Bray soon. Crossing fingers on that. But for today, let's talk about some cases. There have been multiple cases that have just kind of been whirlwinded into um wtf territory uh there's also been a big update with the lori vallow case as most of you have already know um we have seen the conclusion of her case but we have not seen the end of lori vallow in court i will be getting back to that shortly also we're going to touch on the moscow idaho murders And, um, just basically a little update with that portion of the case because something crazy happened there too, but there's also a little bit of update with Chad Daybell's case. There might be some movement with that. I'm not too sure. Still reaching out on this, but I also wanted to give you guys an update on half of the cases that I will be doing this month alone we'll be back to our normal schedule. I keep saying our, I know everybody's like, but Crystal, where's Brie been? Uh, Working, we no longer work together. And I think we said that during our last YouTube episode. So we're not really on the same schedule and able to record as much. Um, But I think from now on, Brie might be just with me on YouTube, um, which is fine. Uh, I think it might just be easier for us to sit down and do that later. Um, there's also going to be a secondary channel Um, this one I've come to the conclusion that the Spooky Barber Babes page has been 100% just true crime lately Um, I do have the cartoon conspiracy episodes but as far as anything else goes on that end I haven't been doing much of the conspiracy stuff I have files galore um, but everyone that has talked to me about this has talked to me about true crime uh so i think we're just going to steer with this strictly as true crime and that there will be a secondary show underneath the spooky Barber babes brand for conspiracy theories leaning from like real world to the cartoon world because you all seem to love when i do the cartoon episodes but um so those will start coming out a little more frequently you just haven't decided if i'm going to do it under the same channel and just list it off as something separate. Or if I'm just going to start a complete new channel as well, I will get back to you all on that. Um, And also I have decided that most of the shorter episodes that I record, I'm most likely just gonna start posting up the shorter stuff on TikTok, on YouTube, and on Instagram during the reels make things a little bit easier for everybody because I mean yeah little short stories they're great but it's nice to get some actual feedback on certain things and it seems like everyone loves the uh history lesson that I've been doing with the last meals over on TikTok I did take a break just because we are in the US mails last meal. And let me tell you something, there are more men in prison on death row or that have been on death row in the United States that it's going to take more than two parts. And I want to try to organize everything before I jump right back into it. Also, instead of doing it with the uh, voiceover, like I have done in the past, I'm actually going to start doing the voices for it. So look out for that. But before we begin today, no, not an ad from a paid sponsor, but instead, I would love to introduce you to another podcast for spooksters who I love these two, but I'm going to let the girls from They Don't Stay Dead talk to you themselves. Hey, paranormies, I'm Brittany. And I'm Alexa. And we're the hosts of They Don't Stay Dead. We're a paranormal podcast from Australia and we've made it our mission to share with you all the real-life ghost stories and haunted locations from our home, as well as encounters with supernatural beings and reports of unknown mysteries. From haunted asylums and ghost ships to big cat cryptids and alien encounters, there's something for everyone. We release new episodes every Thursday and you can find us on Spotify, Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts. Be sure to check out our Instagram at they don't stay dead for weekly updates. We get a little bit spooky and a lot silly. So join us for some laughs and a tale of the unknown. Stay spooky, Paranormies. Alright, so now we're back. Well, I'm going to jump in by giving us the first little snippet of case updates, and that is with Lori Vallow Daybell. Now, a jury found Lori Vallow Daybell guilty on all charges last month following a six-week trial. She is scheduled to be sentenced on July 31st in Fremont County. But here is a big update for this. She is also facing conspiracy to commit murder charges in Arizona for the death of her fourth husband, Charles Vallow, and the attempted killing of her former nephew-in-law, Brandon Bordeaux. Not too sure. There hasn't really been talked about if that case has been um, like sanctioned, not sanctioned, Jesus. And <laughs> It hasn't been decided if that case has like a date for when that trial is going to begin or how long that's going to take or if they're just going to wait until um, the sentencing hearing in July. But keeping on the roll with the day bells, Chad Daybell's murder trial was supposed to be in November, and it is now, as of uh, June 2nd, uh, it is now scheduled to begin at 9 a.m. on April 1st of 2024, and it is expected to run until May 31st. This was according to um, a notice that was filed by District Judge Stephen Boyce. Uh, The trial will take place in Ada County as Boyce granted a change of venue motion that was filed by John Pryor, which was Daybell's attorney. This motion was granted last year. Um, It says, most that I could find was that everything, the defense attorneys and the prosecutors must turn over all discoveries by February 1st and that a pretrial conference will be held on February 22nd in the Fremont County Courthouse and witness and exhibit lists along with proposed jury instructions are all due by March 11th. Now, Dabel and Lori were indicted by a grand jury in May of 2021 on the multiple counts of first-degree murder and conspiracy commit murder for the deaths of Lori's children JJ and Ty Lee. Uh, and then also of Chad Daybell's first wife, Tammy Daybell. Uh, Daybell is also charged with two counts of insurance fraud in relation to Tammy Daybell's life insurance policy. Now, um, if you listen to me talk about the trial updates for Lori and also the episode I just did on the Idaho's secondary uh, execution method, Chad Daybell does not have the death penalty off the table. Uh, Lori Vallow did, Chad does not. So he does have a chance of catching the death penalty, which prosecutors are pushing for. Uh, Obviously he's pled not guilty to all charges and that he is still being held in Fremont County Jail until his uh, trial. But um, if you have paid attention to my last episode, I talked about how Idaho, as of July 1st, 2023, will be putting in the um, the execution by firing squad as an alternative method if they cannot receive the drug for lethal injection by the time somebody is supposed to be executed. Um, so we'll see how that turns out. I mean, obviously, the state themselves have said they rather do lethal injection, but if there's no... Um, if there's no other option they can't get the drug well your time's up i guess now we're going to move still in idaho but move on to a different case and this is of the moscow murderer uh well alleged murderer brian koberger uh on may 17th there was news that was put out online that koberger was indicted by a secret grand jury in Moscow, Idaho, and that he was to be arraigned in district court, uh, that following Monday morning. And that they, there was no longer a preliminary hearing to be held that later this month on, uh, June 26th. Now what I've gathered, um, because apparently on May 26th, the, Idaho prosecutors filed a motion demanding notice for Koberger's alibi, which the Idaho Supreme Court defines as evidence proving that the defendant was not present at the time and place of the commission of the alleged offense for which the defendant is he- here on trial. Now, Coberger's attorneys are asking for more time to give the state notice for his alibi in his defense, which, Okay so you're asking for more time to make up an alibi um so from what his attorney well his public defender anna taylor had said in the filing that prosecutors have so far quote disclosed 51 terabytes of information that includes thousands of pages of discovery thousands of photographs hundreds of hours of recordings further many gigabytes of electronic phone recording and social media data that has been disclosed. Now, it's also stating that um, they're trying to say that his case is voluminous and ongoing. They're trying to basically continue to both navigate the discovery disclosed by the state and investigate the charges against uh, Mr. Koberger as... His attorney has also said, adding that giving notice of an alibi now is, quote, premature as waiting through the extensive information that makes up the case is incomplete. Basically, from what I'm gathering is, I always thought that you'd want people to have, like, you'd have your alibi set. And I thought there was already an alibi out, but apparently there isn't. Or if there is, they haven't released it to the public. But, um, I mean... Are you trying to, like, come up with something? Like, do you have proof that he was somewhere else? Like, everyone... Well, I don't want to say everyone, but most people have, like, some type of video monitor doorbell that, you know, can see you. And if I'm correct, wasn't he caught on camera? <laughs> Anyways, but... So, basically, they're still trying to push for... um Again, like the state's trying to push to get his alibi, and his defense is like, no, 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 we don't need that. Um, now, Koberger was in the courtroom for a motion hearing regarding a gag order uh, back on Friday, June 9th. Uh, don't really know what that was all about. I, I couldn't really find much information regarding what the gag order was. Did he break it? Did somebody else break it? if, was he pushing for something? I don't, I don't know. Um, but yeah, so I found that I also found that, um, the prosecutor asks for funding hike to process Brian Koberger's trial. Um, And they're basically asking for a large funding increase to help cover the expenses it will cost to put Brian Koberger on trial. The um, LADA, I want to hope I'm saying that one right, County Prosecutor's Office has asked the commissioners to provide $135,000 for trial expenses, which is a significant increase from the normal $15,000 budget that they're allotted. I'm assuming that they're expecting this to take a very long time. Um, Koberger did choose to remain silent during his uh, May 22nd arraignment hearing and the district judge, ju- uh, John Judge, entered a not guilty plea on his behalf. Um, basically the prosecutor, Bill Thompson, told the commissioner on that Tuesday that Charles expenses would include paying for expert witnesses, travel fees for witnesses, and ex, um, exhibit displays and transcripts. Basically, they don't know what's all going to be needed. They just know it's not going to be cheap. Um, they're hoping that it'll cover everything. From what I've gathered, Commissioner Kathy LaFortune told the prosecutor that he should increase his estimate to $150,000 to cover any costs. Um, so we'll see if they actually got that, but I mean, I don't see why they would say, no, they're trying to prosecute a murderer or an alleged murderer. So that is pretty much what has been updated with that. I don't think we're going to hear anything until, um, we figure out when the next trial date is going to be. But again, this case has been so quiet. And the reason I say quiet is because up until, this secret uh grand jury meeting we didn't even know was happening. Um everything was radio silence because the judge had put a gag order on media, the families, uh witnesses, anybody, you know, really. So a lot of us, I mean, I know myself, I I stopped really reporting everything that I was finding because I'm like, okay, well if there's a gag order on the media and others, you know, I don't wanna piss anybody off (laughs) but I I guess now that it's being um talked about again and you know CNN ABC Fox News they're all talking about it so I, I guess the gag order got lifted and they're allowed to talk about what they know I don't know we'll end up we'll find out more uh hopefully soon um but yeah so that's it for the Brian Koberger update Next up, we have the update on Danny Masterson. Uh, Most people already are well aware of this, um, but like I said, I was gonna be updating on every case that uh, I was following that has come to a conclusion or had new uh, life. Well, Danny Masterson was one of them. And as of May 31st, he was convicted of two counts of forcible rape. The jury, however, could not reach a verdict on the third rape charge, deadlocking with a eight to four in favor of conviction. So, I mean, I thought eight to four in favor would have, you know, but what else? So Masterson faces a potential sentence of 30 years in prison, 30 years to life in prison on the two charges alone. Uh, Shortly after... You yeah, know the clerk did. The clerk read out the guilty verdict. Um, his family and wife were not. Uh, obviously, there was there was a some sobbing. Uh, there was one article I saw that said that the judge had asked his wife to uh, calm herself. I don't know how I feel about that one, but um, Masterson was accused of raping three women at his Hollywood Hills home between 2001 and 2003. The jury convicted him of raping two women in 2003, but they obviously did not reach a verdict on the allegation from the November 2001, which involved a former girlfriend. Now, from what I gathered from um, a couple other things was this all happened when they were part of the Church of Scientology, which there's so much out there about Scientology. It's that's a, that is one episode that I would love to actually get into, but that's going to take me forever to do all my research and make sure I get everything right. And it's going to come. <laughs> it's just going to take me some time. Um, Judge Charlene Olmedo had denied a defense request that he remain free until sentencing. Um, and a hearing was set for to take place on August 4th. Uh, I do not know exactly what time that is, but... That is when it is set. Now, one of the victims, known in the courthouse as Jane Doe Two, had issued a statement expressing relief that he was convicted. Uh, she also referred to a pending civil case in which she and the other accusers have sued Masterson and the Church of Scientology for harassment and stalking. Um, she had went on to say, quote, I am experiencing... Experiencing a complex array of emotions, relief, exhaustion, strength, and sadness. Knowing that my abuser, Danny Masterson, will face accountability for his criminal behavior. I am disappointed that he was convicted on all counts, but take... Oh, that he was not convicted on all counts, but take great solace in the fact that he, the Church of Scientology, and others will have to fully account for their abhorrent actions in civil court. Um obviously Jane Doe three Masterson's former girlfriend, has done a statement that she was quote, devastated that he was has dodged criminal accountability for his heinous conduct against me. Um, she said she is also determined to seek justice in civil court, where she said the three women will shine a light on how Scientology and other conspirators enable and sought to cut, cover up Masterson's monstrous behavior. Uh, if I am correct I there was another thing that I saw before that said he um, they had went that this Church Scientology had told these women don't go to the police come to us and that they say that often like don't go outside of the church to seek help come to us we'll help you when and that doesn't seem to be the case from what I've noted um, however Masterson did have a first trial that ended in November with a hung jury with the majority voting to acquit on all three charges. So, um, we'll see because they're hoping that this case is shining a light on the teachings of Scientology, which, you know, Masterson is a lifelong member. Um, so we'll see because I I don't know. I feel like they're not the first three to say something against the Church of Scientology. Um, I feel like they're not going to be the last, but we'll see. You know, I really hope that they are able to really shine that light. But I, I, we've seen how far the Church of Scientology will go from previous people that have come after them and have said stuff like, "Hey." Um, but I'm crossing fingers, you know, there's always hope. And lastly, the final case I am going to talk about today as of Wednesday, May 10th, 2023, Peru has announced the extradition of the prime suspect in the unsolved disappearance of then American student, Natalie Holloway. Now I have already talked about this on Instagram, but, uh, It looks like we might be seeing this man actually come to the United States to, I don't want to say get his, but anyways. Vander was identified as a suspect and detained along with two, um, two brothers, you know, weeks later after she had gone missing. Holloway's body, however, still to this day has never been found and no charges were ever filed in the case. Um, later, a judge had declared that you know Natalie Holloway had was had died. Uh, years later, after that, Vandersloot was arrested in Peru for the 2010 murder of twenty-one-year-old Stephanie Flores, who was killed five years to the day after Holloway's disappearance. Prosecutors accused Vandersloot of killing Flores, a business student from a prominent family, to rob her after learning she had won money at the casino where the two had met. They said he killed her with ferocity and cruelty, beating then strangling her in his hotel room. He pled guilty in 2012 and is serving 28 years in prison for the murder. His extradition to the U.S. comes from an alleged attempt to profit from his connection to the Holloway case. A grand jury in Alabama in 2010 indicted Vandersloot on wire fraud and extortion charges, accusing him of trying to extort hundreds of thousands of dollars from the Holloway family. Prosecutors in the U.S. allege Vandersloot accepted $25,000 in cash from Holloway's family in exchange for a promise to lead them to her body in early 2010, just before he went to Peru. Now, This is the best part. A 2001 treaty between US and Peru allows a suspect to be, quote, temporarily extradited to face charges in another country. However, the suspect must be returned once the judicial proceedings are concluded. Vandersloot did marry a Peruvian woman in July of 2014 while he was in maximum security prison and has stated to a Peruvian judge that he will fight all efforts to be extradited to the United States. Now, so basically what that means for this case is he's not being brought here to face charges on the disappearance of Natalie. He's more so being brought here because they he received money from her family with him promising to take her or take them to her body that he knew where he, where she was and that he gave them false hope that they would, um, you know, have their daughter back or, you know, at least her remains currently um, the date for his extradition. I have not found yet. It hasn't been said when he's coming um when they're extraditing him i do know his attorney has already stated that they are fighting the extradition but the why is this man fighting so hard like you know you took the money there's proof of it uh, as far as i know with them being able to extradite him, they had to have proof to do it um so my biggest thing is okay why are you fighting it so hard like they can't charge you for her death yeah, there's no body. There's no evidence. So, I don't know. It just seems really suspicious to me. That is it for my case updates. Sorry if I seemed like I was going a little fast for that, but uh, I wanted to make sure that we had this out. Next week, episodes will pick back up on Wednesday morning at eight a.m. wherever you listen, be that Spotify, Apple, Google, wherever. And next week. I will be talking about the 1930s torso killer from Cleveland and let me tell you, that case is a doozy. The amount of stuff I found was just, let's just say I want to take a trip to the Cleveland Police Museum after doing all the research I did on that case. But that is all for me. You all have a spooktacular day, evening, wherever and uh, stay spooky everyone.